Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The PSNI's Paramilitary Crime Task Force has led a major crackdown on the East Belfast UVF in recent years. The reason East Belfast UVF are a priority for us is because of the scale and depth of their criminality. As we've seen today, this includes their involvement in the supply of Class A drugs, but it also extends to other activity like extortion. Sparked by the murder of Ian Ogle and aimed at the cocaine trade, it led to a series of high-profile arrests. He was attacked in Cloon Place by a group of at least five men. Those men fractured his skull, they stabbed him in the back 11 times and left him to die in the street. 14 people have been convicted in relation to UVF-connected drug dealing in recent months. The East Belfast UVF went from being a moderate and mid-level target for the paramilitary crime task force to the top target. And within six or seven weeks of the Ogle murder, the PSNI do a series of drug raids and they arrest more than a dozen people in connection with a huge East Belfast UVF cocaine network. In this episode of The Bell Tell, we look at the kingpins, the enforcers and the bookkeeper behind the coke trade in East Belfast and the role of Mark Rainey. All of these prosecutions were based on evidence which was found on Mark Rainey's phone. I'm joined by the chief reporter with The Sunday Life, Kieran Barnes. This crackdown, they, they, they had a crackdown, the PSNI is what's called as the Paramilitary Crime Task Force. They have had a major crackdown on the East Belfast UVF and by many accounts it's been quite successful. It's, it's decimated the organisation and it's decimated uh, those East Belfast UVF members and affiliates who were involved in the cocaine trade. It was sparked by the murder of Ian Ogle. Now, two people have pleaded guilty to his, his murder. That remains an ongoing case. A number of other people are facing charges relating to that murder. We will speak about that murder again. But why does it spark a crackdown on drug dating? Because the murder was deeply embarrassing for the PSNI. And it was deeply embarrassing for um, the East Belfast community. What happened was Ian Ogle's family had been involved in this dispute in a bar with um, other UVF members. One UVF member in particular who would later be convicted of drug dealing. In the summer 2017, they, the family suffered a campaign of intimidation for the 18 months after with threats made to them with attacks on on, on property with them being told that they had attend that Ian and his son Ryan had to be had to attend a prearranged punishment attack so they refused and this culminated in Ian Ogle eventually being murdered by members of the UVF in Cloon Place outside his home while he prayed with a pastor weirdly in January of 2019 the murder made major huge headlines 
throughout Northern Ireland and across the UK. Um, this was a guy who was stabbed to death outside his home while praying with a pastor, stabbed 11 times, beat with cudgels. So. He was attacked in Clewen Place by a group of at least five men. Those men fractured his skull, they stabbed him in the back 11 times and left him to die in the street. This murder was savage, brutal. Ian Ogle was a... He was a UVF member, yeah. yeah. He was a UVF member himself, but he would have been among UVF members in East Belfast who would have been very anti-drugs. It's wrong to think of the UVF in East Belfast as being a drug-dealing gang. Yes, members are involved in it. Um, leaders within the UVF in East Belfast were taking backhanders from drug dealers, but the majority of members of, of the UVF in East Belfast are anti-drugs, and that needs to be said, and that's, and that's a fair assessment of it. Ian Ogle was among that larger group who would be anti-drugs. And many loyalists were horrified by Ian. Absolutely. And the leadership of the UVF on the Shankill Road, John Graham, he's the long-standing leader. He made a point of putting a death notice in the paper for Ian Ogle. He attended the funeral along with senior UVF figures from across Northern Ireland. So everyone was outraged by it. And, you know, in this day and age when community, when paramilitary groups are supposed to be transitioning away from crime and getting government funding and government help to do that, it was an outrage. It, it's something that should never have happened and it should have been solved by restorative justice means or, or policing means a long time before it reached that stage. So you had Ian Ogle butchered in the street, slaughtered in the street at the end of January 2019. And the paramilitary crime task force, whose job it is to investigate active paramilitary groups, they went, right, the gloves are off. You know, we're we're bringing an end to this um, in East Belfast. And the East Belfast UVF went from being a a moderate, a mid-level target for the paramilitary crime task force, the top target for the paramilitary crime task force. And within six or seven weeks of the Ogle murder, the PSNI do a series of drug raids across East Belfast, Newton, Ardston, Donald, and they arrest more than a dozen people in connection with a huge East Belfast UVF cocaine network. Early morning in East Belfast, and the paramilitary crime task force are preparing for a significant operation focusing on the criminal activities of the UVF. The team are about to raid this house in East Belfast. Please come back to the door! There is, uh, there's, there's media fanfare around it. The cops are doing press conferences in relation to it. And what you have then is uh, 14 people brought before the courts uh, and charged with various offences and convicted of various offences, the majority of being conspiracy to supply cocaine and there was another individual convicted of misconduct in public office. But that was in March of 2019 when the first arrests in relation to this operation uh, took place and what we've seen over the past number of weeks is the 14 people who've been convicted, who all pleaded guilty by the way, all put their hands up on court say, yep, I'm a drug dealer. Yeah, I was selling cocaine for the East Belfast UVF. So they've all put their hands up and they've all admitted this bar the one individual who, who was who admitted uh, misconduct in public office. So this case is now, it's taken almost five years, but it's reached this conclusion with the with the 14 individuals being, being convicted. I suppose some people, more cynical listeners might say, well, you know, when the PSNI are sparked into action by, by something which happens, they can really focus their efforts, they can really get things done, you know, and I suppose they might think, why don't they do that all the time? Well, the government tend to take a carrot and stick um, approach to these gangs. Um, look, paramilitaries exist, right? There's tens of thousands of paramilitaries in Northern Ireland, both loyalist and Republican, the majority, the vast majority being loyalist. So you can't go out and arrest them all. The jails aren't big enough to hold them all, even if you were to successfully convict them all. So what the, the government have been doing for some time now is they've um, been 
encouraging paramilitary groups to go on the transitionary process where they morph from being criminal gangs into community-based gangs. And um, some paramilitary groups on the loyalist end of things have found doing that a lot easier. South Belfast UDA under Jack and McDonald is, have, have been the model for it. Um, the East Belfast UDA are really committed to it now at the minute. But then there's other sections of the UDA and, and UVF which you know are, are finding it harder and are finding it more difficult to abandon criminality. And that's where the East Belfast UVF found itself in 2019. The Rainey brothers, Mark and Glenn, they were handed three-year sentences on the 11th of January. Their names seem to come up again and again in relation to this. Were they the kingpins? Were they the, the, the masterminds behind cocaine in East Belfast? Yeah, well, those, those two brothers um, are synonymous with drug dealing in East Belfast and they've become the poster boys almost for, for East Belfast UVF drug dealing. They were previously convicted of conspiracy to supply cocaine and they received two and a half year prison sentences for that. Um, while they were out on bail, those convictions occurred and those charges came about while they were out on bail for the, for the, for the much wider... UVF cocaine ring which, in which 14 of them were convicted. Now, they really served those original sentences of two and a half years and um, they're now serving the 18-month sentences imposed for this latest conviction and they're due out, in co- uh, they're due out of jail right about December of this year, January 2025. But um, two notorious cocaine dealers up to their necks in it um, using the money that they were making from that, they fund lavish holidays, going to Thailand, Glenn had a place in Spain, um, driving really nice cars. Glenn really boasts in one text message to the customer, the East, Bel- East Belfast is the best place to be a cocaine dealer. You know, Mark and him are talking about spending tens of thousands of pounds in messages. So these guys are two notorious drug dealers. The community knew they were drug dealers, but they were able to function and operate because they had the backing of powerful people within the East Belfast UVF who they were providing backhanders to. I think people might be very interested in that remark. You know, East Belfast is the best place to deal cocaine in. Why, why would that be? Because within East Belfast for a long period of time, Senior figures within the UVF were turning a blind eye to cocaine dealing by their members and by affiliates in return for having their palms greased with cash. And that's and that's basically what was going on. And the two people who were most prolific at it were Glenn and Mark Rainey. And that comment I made just about how prolific it was. In the last three years, there's been almost 30 people who've appeared in court, stood in the dock and pleaded guilty dealing cocaine or cannabis on behalf of the East Belfast UVF. You know, in uh, Sunday Life done a story last June, where, or two Junes ago, June of 22, where in the previous 18 months, the place had seized more than £1 million of cocaine, which they publicly linked to the East Belfast UVF. So to say cocaine dealing in East Belfast was rife is an understatement. It was rampant. When they come out of jail... Will they, will they be welcome back to the UVF or what's the story there? No, well, I don't think so because the UVF leadership in East Belfast has now changed. There was uh, a process where the former leader um, withdrew um, from his leadership position um, at the end of last year and he was replaced by a veteran loyalist um, who, who's only recently took up the, the reins. Um, he's now he's, he's known as a brigadier, and I'll put that in inverted commas. He, he would be very, very anti-drugs and um, he wouldn't tolerate the goings on, which was previously tolerated by the former leadership of the East Belfast UVF. In terms of the arrests and how the operation, um, the, the, the initial 14 being arrested in March 2019, um, all of these prosecutions 
were based on evidence which was found on Mark Rainey's phone. Mark Rainey had WhatsApp messages to the 14 people who were later convicted and, and that's what basically sunk them. So, you know, they're holding Mark Rainey responsible um, for... Um, for a lot of them are holding Mark Rainey responsible for their arrest and their subsequent convictions. And, you know, far from dealing drugs for the UVF, you know, Mark Rainey should be really working with the UDCs, Ulster's dumbest criminals. And that's what he's um, that's what he's known as in McGavick. Do you think they'll be allowed back into the area at all? There's no reason why they shouldn't be. If they get out, they serve their sentences and they say, look, um, you know, we aren't involved in crime anymore. There's no reason why they shouldn't be allowed back. It's not for the East Belfast UVF or any paramilitary group to tell anyone where they can't live. I'm struck maybe in this conversation that there might be older listeners fascinated by this conversation because there is an idea of, you know, the drug pusher and that these people are have to convince people to take drugs. But we're talking about profits here, massive profits, as we've discussed in relation to the Rainey Brothers. This drug is everywhere in Ireland, to, from the smallest village to the largest city. I mean, there's a massive demand out there, if we're going to be honest for a second, for cocaine. Yeah, well, I sit in the courts every week, Kieran, and every week, you know, I see cocaine, people up for selling small amounts of cocaine and huge amounts of cocaine. It's rife and uh, when I think about my career as a journalist and over the last 20 years, certainly writing about crime, there's more people in court now for selling cocaine and dealing cocaine than I've ever seen before. And the people who appear in court, they're just the tip of the iceberg. You know, they're just the 10% of people who are caught. You know, the other 90% underneath that, you, do, you don't see them in, in court. So it is, it's, it's, it's rife, like you said. Yeah, it's, a, and it's across, a huge problem. And across much of society, again, if we're brutally honest, it, it borders on being socially acceptable in certain circles, I suppose. Yeah, well, I, again today, I was covering a case of a, another fellow who was up in court and he got a probation order for dealing cocaine on behalf, small amounts of cocaine on behalf of these Belfast UVF. And he, in his in his pre-sentence report, he talked to probation officers about openly taking it in different drinking establishments in East Belfast. Now, this is a guy from down the Lord New Norwich Road, so I can guess which bars he's been in and he's been taking it. But from his account, it seemed to be the dumb thing. Tell us about the bookkeeper. Okay, this is a guy called Daniel Bain who was convicted alongside his brother, Darren Bain. But Daniel, um, while Darren got a suspended sentence, Daniel was jailed for nine months again for conspiracy to supply cocaine. Um, how the judge sentenced the 14 in this case was that the, the people who were more heavily involved in the, in this drug dealing racket, who were the more senior members like Glenn Rainey, like Mark Rainey, like Daniel Bain, they, they were sentenced first. And... Uh, Daniel Bain was given nine months in, in prison um, for conspiracy to supply cocaine. Now, his case is a, it's a little bit different from the others in that he actually never handled the, coca the cocaine. He never touched it. His role was the person who looked after the money, who looked after give it, uh, uh, laundering the cash, that sort of thing, hiding the money. So he was referred to as the bookkeeper in court, and, and that's because he never actually laid his hands on the cocaine. Um he was involved in the financing of it. Um, senior member of the gang and an important member of the gang, Kieran, because, you know, if you don't have the money, if you don't have the capital, you can't buy this stuff. So he was a key figure in the gang, but, uh, you know, he, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't touch the cocaine. But what this also shows is that you don't, for, for the place to prosecute you for, for dealing drugs, for the, the courts to jail you for dealing drugs, you don't necessarily have to touch the drug, you know. If you're involved, if you have knowledge of its supply, if you know where the money's going, if you know where the money's coming from, that's enough to, to convict you of being a drug dealer. The enforcer, 
guy called Simon Mooney. Um, he was living in the Shagger Road, strangely. Uh, he was the only one who wasn't from East Belfast when, when these arrests happened in March 2019. Again, he pleaded guilty to being part of this conspiracy to supply cocaine, but his job was to go around and threaten people and offer to beat people up and dice them who owed money to Rainey. So the, the police were able to retrieve WhatsApp messages from Rainey's phone, which showed his communication with Mooney and how Mooney was threatening to um, kick people's heads in uh, on behalf of his boss, Rainey. So that was that was Mooney's role. Now, the, the strange thing with Mooney was after Mooney's arrest, I mentioned that he lived in the Shackle Road, and that's significant, because the UVF in the Shackle would adopt a very strong anti-drugs policy. And within a week or two of, of Mooney being arrested and bailed, the UVF attacked his home, uh, and they went inside and threatened him and they threatened his partner. So here was a guy who was involved in an East Belfast UVF cocaine supply network living on the Shankle Road and the Shankle UVF come into his home and and threaten him and force him out. So that shows that shows the division within the UVF as an organisation between the people who were very, very anti-drugs in the Shankle and the people who were more tolerant of drugs in East Belfast. Just before we move on, there's two other characters that I uh, want to mention in terms of who was swept up and, and convicted over this. The first of them is Samuel Phil Taylor. Now, he was not convicted of drug dealing, he pleaded guilty to misconduct in public office. Who is he and what did he do? Well, this is the, he's the anomaly um, among all these guys. This is, this is, as he's known, Phil Taylor, Samuel Phil Taylor. So he's a civil servant who works in the legal services agency, uh, ironically, in the Lackenside Court Complex in Belfast, the court complex which he stood in the other week in which he admitted his guilt and was given a, a probation term for, a uh, suspended sentence and probation term for uh, misconduct in public office. So his job allowed him, in the courts, allowed him the access to criminal records of, of of people who were in court and people who had applied for legal aid. So he was in hock to Mark Rainey. He owed him money for cocaine. So in return for Taylor accessing the, uh, the databases in the legal services agency and providing Rainey with criminal records and addresses on, on people who were of interest to the Rainey. Rainey agreed to have Taylor's drug debts wiped. So Taylor, unlike the others, Taylor's quite middle class. He's not working class. He comes from a more affluent part of East Belfast. So he gets he gets mixed up with him because because of a drug debt. He, he he's not dealing any drugs. He's just providing Mark Rainey with um with with confidential details that Rainey would be interested in. And then we come finally to Margaret Hutton, who was a former UUP constituency worker. She's been sentenced to 15 months behind bars, suspended for three years, and she admitted being concerned in the supply of cocaine. That's a strange one. She even stood for election at one stage and she's she, she's worked for some very well-known UUP uh, well, candidates. Yeah, she worked at Red, for, for Red Champion. And, you know, when she was working for Red Champion, you know, she was considered like an upstanding member of the community, someone who had the, the interests of East Belfast at heart. And, and Reg had no idea that um, that she would later be involved in this. Um, it seems to be that Maggie, from from sitting in on her sentencing, she she put her cocaine use down to uh, personal cocaine use to a number of tragedies that befell her in life, and that she um, was supplying on a small scale to uh, to a circle of friends. Now Maggie would be very well known in East Belfast. She, as you mentioned, she stood for election. She'd be very close to senior figures within the East Belfast UVF. So um, her arrest um, 
came as a bit of a shock to everyone. And then after she was arrested, Maggie done a she done a, a bizarre video which went online and which she denied involvement in drugs and talked about how she abhorred the um the drugs trade only for or just a couple of weeks ago to stand in court and stand up and plead guilty to um possess uh, being concerned in the supply of cocaine. Kieran, we discussed towards the end of last year um, the leadership of the UVF, uh, memorably on a Remembrance Sunday um, oration, in a Remembrance Sunday oration, standing down, publicly standing down a number of leadership figures in the East Belfast UVF over criminal activities. Can we give any update as how that has gone down? Yeah, well, what happened initially was it was, it was almost death by a thousand cuts for the, for the East Belfast UVF leadership. You had the Ogle murder, which was the catalyst for the drugs raids. And then, uh, you know, like we mentioned here, um, since then, so over the past 18 months, you've had more than 30 people who've been convicted in court, having pled guilty, I might add, to the dealing cocaine or cannabis for the East Belfast UVF. So the leadership in the Shankle are looking at this and this is a weekly thing where someone's in court um, connected to East Belfast UVF to plead guilty to drugs. The cops are raiding houses all over the place in East Belfast, finding drugs. So I got to the stage with the leadership of the UVF on the Shankle Road saying, look, enough's enough. And we're involved in the transitionary process, which is the backing of the Irish and the British governments. We are seeing community groups that we are supportive of being funded to the tune of more than a million pounds over five years. This can't go on. This is becoming deeply, deeply embarrassing and it could affect our funding streams. And this is what the British and Irish governments were telling the UVF when they met them. Look, this this problem in East Belfast needs sorted. We can't seem to we can't be seen to be funding an organization that has a unit heavily, heavily involved in, in drugs. So they make a statement. Um the UVF uh, make a statement at, a, at several Remembrance Sunday services back in November where they declare that leadership figures, senior figures in East Belfast UVF have been stood down. They, they, these figures aren't named, but, you know, it doesn't take a genius to, to work out who they are. So um, initially, uh, you know, there was there was a bit of confusion as to who had been stood down or why they'd been stood down. But um, certainly, that uh, you know, there's leadership figures over there are, who were there for quite a period of time are no longer there and they volunteered Terribly withdrew. There was no, there was no violence. There was no threats. You know, there was no one who was who was grabbed and held at gunpoint and told that they were, you know, that they had to be stood down. This announcement was made. It was a velvet coup almost, and and the people who thought it referred to them went, okay, you know, we're we're, we're withdrawn. So there was never any sense of a feud or, or, or trouble in terms of, in, in those terms. So there's a new leadership in place. The previous leader and. People close to him are still there in East Belfast. They're being left alone. Um, they're just they're just doing their own thing, and uh, there's a there's a new boss in town. But are arrests and our raids connected to alleged cocaine dealing by members of the UVF in East Belfast continuing? Nevertheless, that's that's the question that we we need to say now. There are still people appearing in court today. There was one in court today and there is people scheduled to appear in court over the next few weeks in connection with East Belfast UVF cocaine dealing. But all of that predates the announcement on Remembrance Sunday when the several leadership figures were stood down and it predates new leadership figures taking over at the beginning of 2024. So it'll be very, very interesting to see over the next few weeks and few months whether the task force operations aimed at East Belfast UVF drug dealing continue at the same pace. If they don't continue at the same pace, that's an indication that 
the government now, or the task force, certainly don't see the East Belfast UVF as a priority any longer, and that the East Belfast UVF are on board with the wider UVF in terms of the transitionary process. Kieran Barnes, thank you very much. Thank you. This episode of The Bell Tale has been produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar, along with Graham Davidson and Olivia Peden. The clips you heard were from the BBC UTV and the Northern Ireland Assembly. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.